Hello and welcome to episode number one with the one-to-one podcast with myself, Andy Thomas. Um, People, these introductions are not getting any easier. I think this is take 600. Um, I've just decided just to talk absolute nonsense because if I think about it, it's not really me and it's definitely not authentic. It's just reading a script and I don't want to get off on the worst start. So we're going to abandon that. Um, so there, this is episode one. I am absolutely thrilled that I got to do, experience my first podcast with such a guy. Um, I'd like to introduce Kent Bray. He's the founder of Kent Bray Counseling. Um, and I'm sure you'll agree, Kent's journey is nothing short of inspiring. Um, from battling a cocaine addiction to emerging victorious, shall we say. Um, and he's turned those experiences into a positive and now gives guidance and support to those vulnerable um, and that require it most. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to jump into where we uh, started. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Please do share, like, and um, leave some comments. Um, Personally, you can get in touch with me, give me some feedback if there's anything I can do to improve this. As I say, this is my hobby, but I want people to enjoy it. So Enjoy the first episode. I'm really excited and I'm looking forward to bringing you more. Have a wonderful day. I will repeat what I said. Obviously, we met at A to Z, B and I. Stood up, blew me away with uh, the best intro and most honest intro that I've ever had. But I'd just like to know who you are, where you're from, like the start from the beginning in terms of of, of your life, really. So what I, you know, what I'll do is I'll just go through a sort of whistle stop tour of my life, and then you can pick the bones out of anything you want to explore. Absolutely. So you know, um, I'm in my late fifties. I, I grew up in central Queensland, uh, Queensland country, in a small country town called Rockhampton, and um, you know, like sixty years ago, there wasn't a lot of money around. Um, so, but it was a functional. Household, so there was no there was no abuse of any description. No, no alcoholism, no drug taking. Mum and dad strong work ethic. Um, I was good at sport. Um, I excelled at sport and all sorts of sport. I was pretty good at school. I wasn't in the, the absolute top group, but I was I was towards the top. Um, I had a the first sort of emotionally challenging. Thing I had was when I was 16, my, I had a brother who was 18 and from diagnosis to death was about two months so he died. Um, but other than that, I just had what, you know, what you describe as a normal upbringing, whatever normal is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mum was very, very nurturing. Dad was a little bit distant emotionally uh, but that was because of his upbringing and I've processed that in the last number of years. I left school and I went on this period of achievement where I did a law degree, so I became a solicitor, a lawyer in Australia. So it took six years to do that. During that time, I threw myself into rugby. That was my passion. So I represented Australia at under-21 level. Um, yeah, I played provincial rugby for Queensland, for New South Wales. For the anyone who's listening who's a bit of a rugby nut, probably one of the highlights of my life was playing against the British Lions. Often, for, yeah. yeah it's for New like South one Wales. of the tours. Yeah, when they yeah. came out to Australia, and that was a highlight. You know, of the 30 players on the field, I would have been one of only a handful who weren't international rugby players. You know, I didn't I didn't actually play for the Wallabies, the, the full international team. And then I saw a varsity game on TV, and I, I hated law, I hated studying it. I only did that to please my parents. I realise that now. Yeah. To repay them for the hard work they'd put in to put me and my two, two brothers through private school in secondary school, and um, I hated it. I hated law, and I saw this varsity game on TV, and I applied for and got a scholarship to Oxford University. So I had a Amazing. yeah. So I had a year there, post grad studies. I played in the varsity match, and then I worked out I wasn't going to play for Australia as a senior, you know, in the, the full, you know, top level. And I came across and I played for Harlequins in um, in London. I was there for six, six and a half years, as a first as a player and then as an assistant coach. I was player of the year one year, set a point-scoring record for the club one year. Um, and, I, you know, if you, if you know rugby, in the, Harlequins back then was 
had a lot of household names. Yeah. Will Carling, Brian Moore, Jason Leonard, Peter Winterbottom, Mickey Skinner, Simon Halliday, David Pears, etc., etc., etc. So, mate, I was in, mate, I was in, <laughs> I was in London, working in the city, got a job in the city. Mate, had some good money. I'm playing for Harlequins. I'm going all around the world playing rugby. Um, got a job at Citibank. Had 18 years at Citibank. Ended up as a director of the company, director of the bank. And um, unfortunately, in my late 40s, I had some life stuff going on that I was struggling with. So I was in, I'd sort of done with England. Yep. So I was in a country I was, didn't want to be in. My relationship with uh, my ex-girlfriend was deteriorating quite badly. And my job at Citibank, I was cooked. So I was in a country I wasn't, that I didn't want to be in with a woman I didn't want to be with doing a job I didn't want to do. And I lent into a coping mechanism. I refused to put my hand up and ask for help. Uh, my pride and my ego would not allow me to do that. Mm. I was the guy that got it done and I got addicted. I got addicted to cocaine. Um... You know, I was an extreme user. I was a daily user. I It was costing me about £80,000 a year. Wow. So that just gives you a level of... And that's not partying or anything like that. That was just putting cocaine into my body. And that was the financial cost. The physical cost was I lost about five stone. So today, as I, st- as I sit before you, I'm about, you know, just shy of 15 stone, about 14, 14 half stone. Mate, I entered a rehab in um, April 2016 and I was 63 kilograms, which was just under 10 stone. And I sat in that rehab uh, four days in and I sat in a, in a, you know, just a single bed, sat on a single bed in my room and, uh, mate, I was absolutely crying my eyes out. I was, I, I was broken. And the two, I didn't know who I was. I knew what my CV read and I've yeah. just, I've just read, I've basically just told you my CV. Yeah. But, mate, they were all labels. Yeah. They were identities. They were labels and they were all in the past. The reality was, was that I was a, just a generic garden variety cocaine addict. That's what defined me and I couldn't have been you know people talk about dark places the thing that resonates with me was mate I was so sad I was so 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 sad that this person that you know that that guy that kid from Rocky who achieved all those things and and what made it the saddest was that only two people on the planet knew that I was in rehab my ex-girlfriend and my business partner at the time because no one else knew and the whole reason that no one else knew is I was a massive, massive secretive user was, Andy, I was absolutely gripped with guilt, shame, remorse and embarrassment of what I was doing. Yeah. So no one knew because um, I kept it away from everyone and this is the, the you know... That's got to be a mental struggle in itself, hiding. Like you say, there's going out with your friends on a Friday or a Saturday um, and hiding something like that. Yeah. But £80,000 a year, that's, yeah. that's that's a big hide, isn't it, really? Yeah. So. Well, in the end, I wasn't going out because with, with alcoholism and addiction, certainly in my case and a lot of cases, you isolate. So I was, you know, when my ex-girlfriend and I got together and we had our first child... We were living in an apartment up in London and I was working at Citibank as Canary Wharf, you know, director of, you know, in, in foreign exchange. We moved to Essex, right? moved out here. And at that point, my addiction was, was literally out of control. And so I, that gave me an opportunity. So when people rang up, I said, mate, you know, I'm in Essex, I've got two young children. So I just literally shut myself off from all my mates. My family, close family, is in Australia and I was just descending into the abyss. Mm. And and because of, and it's one of my big mantras these days, the opposite of isolation is connection. So I, when I went into rehab, I didn't have any connections to anybody. I didn't, I didn't have any connections to, like I had two very young children. Mate, I, this is not easy for me 
to um, say, but it's the truth, yeah. right? And today I'm genuine and I'm authentic, authentic and honest. And the message that I'm sending out here is you can recover. That's yeah. why I'm saying all of this. Yeah. I'm not sitting here saying, hey, look at me. I, I'm, a, I'm great. I recovered from addiction. But it's, I think it's important people know what those stages are. 100%. Because I think that we live in, I, as you know, wedding photographer and I am around users all the time yeah they can't hide it mm. um wedding it seems we come out of covid and it got worse yeah um i think it's more accessible i think yeah, everyone no can just quickly no whatsapp or whatever they use and all of a sudden it's it's at their fingertips 100%. um and i think i think i probably come in contact with a lot of people that don't see it as a problem they see it as a fun party yeah. and i think what they don't realize is that transpires mm. and i don't know i'm maybe the question to yourself is, is did your start uh, just, uh, it's okay, it's only, it's only one, it's only two, etc. And then Correct. all of a sudden, yeah. oh, well, I'll get some today and it's Tuesday, I'll yeah. get some today, it's, oh, bloody yeah. hell, now it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. etc. Yeah. And I think people being able to go, oh, I'm all right, I'm all right, mm. yeah, I'll mm. stop after Christmas, I'm all right, mm. I'll do this. They yeah. need to know that, hold on, it doesn't stop there. Correct. And so I, let me make one thing clear, I don't preach to anyone. You know, if someone, I don't drink today, not because, you know, I wasn't a, a, a sort of a, a defined alcoholic. I was a drug addict, right? Yep. I was a cocaine addict. But I don't drink today because obviously you have a few drinks, you're under the influence, you're not thinking rationally. I pick up cocaine. Andy, the reality is this, if I have one line, I'm gone. Yeah. Because I'm, an, I'm addicted to the substance. I can't, I, I can't stop it. That's not everyone's story. So people who... Drink and, and, and you know, if, they, if people, I would suggest don't do drugs, right? But people are going to do what they're going to do. And, and people drink and they do drugs socially. I started out socially. Without a shadow of a doubt, I lent into drugs when I was struggling with life's circumstances. Got what I mean? It became yeah. a, I could still go to work and function, right? I, I couldn't do that if I was drunk, but... I was a highly functioning cocaine user. Mate, I've got this bizarre story about my second last year at Citibank was one of the best trading years I've ever had in my life. And, mate, I was completely off my nut, right? And I'm not saying that I had... I'm not saying that I had some sort of vision of the markets because I was drugged. I just think I just got very, very lucky. But I, I'm just saying about the functioning that you can function at a high level for a, for a period of time. But, mate, it catches up with you. The consequences catch up. So getting back to the people who use, yes, I agree with you. I'm saying to people out there, one of my messages, be careful, Yeah. right? Because one minute the dog's wagging the tail, next minute the tail is wagging the dog. Yeah, So what? very true. That's right. So what happened to me was I was using socially and then one day I woke up and went, Fuck me, I'm addicted here. And I knew that because I'd wake up in the morning and I'd open my eyes, right, and my first thought was how, when and where am I getting my coke? Mate, I haven't gone to the toilet. Yeah. I haven't gotten out of bed. I haven't brushed my teeth. I've done nothing. My first engagement was how, when and where. And the reason I was saying how, when and where was because my body was starting to crave. Yeah. So addiction... It's a physical bodily craving and an absolute mental obsession. So you're you're a big West Ham fan? Yes, right. (laughs) So think about this. An addict, you could be watching your beloved West Ham in the final of, what did they win? The Europa League. Europa League. Europa Conference League. Europa Conference League. (laughs) And you're watching it. And if you're an addict, you're thinking to yourself, I need a line of coke. I need a line of coke. And, mate, you, put, you might not even know what the score is because you're mentally obsessed with, with Coke. Have I got enough? When's the game going to finish? Have I got enough to get... They're going to win this. I need stuff to get me through the whole night because we have tying one on. I've got to phone someone up. The game's on. But it, the, the focus of the brain is... And th- that's addiction. So physical craving, yep. mental obsession. And at that point, Andy, lawyer... 
Oxford University graduate, director of a bank, right? I'm not stupid. I'm not the smartest guy on the planet by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not stupid. But at that moment of addiction, I did not have a choice. I did not I did not believe I had a choice. I had to feed the craving. And mate, it is horrible. It's horrible. And so we go back to those that are drinking and drugging. Be careful. If you think you've got a problem, get it early, speak to someone and get some education around alcoholism and addiction in the hope that you don't descend to the levels that I descended to. Because trust me, when I was four days into that rehab, mate, I felt my self-esteem, my confidence, my self-loathing, my self-pity, mate, I was the lowest of the low. It was the lowest time of my life. But then I'm sitting here today with you, seven and a half yeah. years clean and sober. So what's the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the message? We can recover. You, you can, can recover. Like you say, it's, uh, it is a journey. And like, I can see that in your eyes. Just mm. see, I'm lucky enough to be sitting here. Mm. You, can, you can see the pain that it still brings to a degree. You yes. Can, you, can, you can see how emotion you are talking of those times. Yes. And like, especially those dark days mm. in the rehab. Yeah. But I think you, we can't stress that enough that it's never too late to get that help. 100%. Um, and there is people, it doesn't matter if it's addiction, mental health, whatever. Correct. Talking to people, and, and again, what we were talking about before we come on, is that was the biggest factor for myself, was talking to someone. Yeah. And mine, I consider what I went through last year minimal, very mm. minimal, very lucky that I've got a supportive network. Yeah. Um, and I didn't turn to anything. It was just literally, right, okay, pick yourself up. Yeah. Spoke to my wife. And the day I spoke to my wife was the day I got better. And I'm lucky enough that I've got that relationship, that strong Mate, family bond. Lovely. That that she just stepped up and we that was it. It yeah, was yeah. it was halved within one phone call. Yeah. Obviously some people are not that fortunate, but again, the reason of the podcast, reason why I wanted to do this is to make sure people are aware. And I think that what you just said there, it couldn't be any better message mm. that it doesn't matter how dark it gets, how right. bad it gets, everyone can get to where you are now. Yep. How do you say? Uh, which is like say now what, what's life for you in, in well, just, now? Just, be, just before we get on with what, what life is now, I want to make one thing very clear: is I ended up this is this is you know because I'm doing I'm working with Basildon Mind, well Mind, the mental Brilliant. health charity. Yep. I do I volunteer there, and um, I'm working with I volunteer with some people in supported housing, and then I've got private clients. And what I'm learning is, oh, mate, I've, I've learned so much, and I can't tell you how grateful I am. I'm really, from the bottom of my heart, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm great to be living. Um, mate, I am the uh, the best possible version as a dad, as a father I can be to my two children. That means the world to me. Um, and I uh, help people, you know, I'm doing, you know, mentoring and counselling and helping people in various in various spaces. But what I wanted to touch on was the space I ended up in, which was that space of self-loathing, mm. worry, concern, stress, anxiety, anger, resentment, paranoia, da-da-da, right? There is, in my opinion, hundreds of ways into that space. It's not just addiction. It's not just alcoholism. It could be childhood trauma. It could be grief. It could be mental health. It could be all sorts of things where we get into an into a space where we need support. Like you, you, you said it yourself. As soon as you talk to someone, in this case, your wife, yeah. the air came out of the balloon. You know, there was a there 100%. was a stress release, right? And that's what I found amazing in my time as a counselor, therapist, mentor. You know. Just by listening to somebody and allowing space for them. So what I offer as a counsellor and a therapist and a mentor is a space, right, where anyone can come into that space, it's safe, it's non-judgmental and it's confidential, right? Now, you think about this. You've got a business, you've got a wife. How many kids? One. One child, right? Mate, to be a husband, to be a business owner and to be a father... It's not easy. No. You know, life at times is not easy, you know, and, and, and it, that's for everybody, right? I don't care how much money you got. Mate, 
you know, I was, you know, as I said, I, I, mate, I retired before I was fifty, semi-retired, right? Mate, I was in rehab two days, two years later. So what I'm saying is, addiction and alcoholism and all our, all our concerns and our stuff, mate, it doesn't discriminate. No, doesn't matter how intelligent you are, <laughs> mate. I sat in a rehab. I had everything, and I had nothing. Yeah. I had a massive hole in my soul. So getting on to where I am today. So what I'm saying is if you're in that space and you need help, I'm imploring you to put your hand up. Yeah. To, and just to start talking. Start the process. Mate, these were your words, not mine. Your yeah. words were you started to get better the moment you started talking. 100%. Right? That's my story. Yeah. That's my story. At my deep, dark secret, I was going to die going to die and once I started talking that was the first step and it it does go it resonates although the scenario is different correct in terms of uh, what you was doing and and how I felt in terms of I my brain just got the better of my headspace is it's still the same process in the terms of that you feel these feelings yep you think about dark things. Correct. Well, this would be easier if I just did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would miss me? Who would do this? Yeah. Then you th- go at home, you look at a, a lovely family, be it in my case, my wife, Lauren and Arthur. Yeah. And then the guilt kicks in. You're selfish. Yeah. You're selfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you're ashamed because you've had these yeah. faults. So then you go into... Great awareness. Work, yeah. Great different awareness. Week, different week, this after this week, after that week. And it just builds up, builds up, gets worse. And it's less... And I described it as like a pressure cooker. Correct. Uh, and I had one very, very bad morning yeah. where I'd convinced myself that I would do X if this happened or whatever. Right? Yeah. That's, that's my... It never, it never occurred, so it was never going to get anywhere. And that was the day that I thought, I have to say something. Yeah. Like, this is my trigger. Yeah. If I don't say something, I'm scared now. Like, it's, I think it, the thought process scared me, yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. my wake-up call. And I'm lucky that I, like, again, as I repeat, I have that network where it, it was easy for me to get that out, and yeah. I got the comfort that I needed. Yeah, yeah. But there was still three to, I'd say even five, there was five weeks of embarrassment. Yeah, yeah. Where I felt like I wasn't a man. Yeah, I felt yeah, like, yeah. Um, like, and it was caring people, like family members, ringing up to say, "How you doing?" Like, oh, like, because I said we got family. I don't know if, if it's normal for every family, but we have WhatsApps galore for all different. You, we have a different it, it, WhatsApp because we don't want that person in that one. And it, yeah, yeah, and in yeah, the end, yeah. we had the family WhatsApp, and I said, like, this is this is why I'm being like wow, I'm being this is great truth that's great honestly. and it took a couple of days which was just respect for me and then they, they the calls started to come and the, the, the and it's just coming from a good place but there was still I was still so embarrassed mm. and I didn't I was like yeah yeah I'm fine I've still done that yeah yeah, yeah I'm yeah, fine yeah, and yeah. I'll never forget my brother-in-law who's, who's not a man of many words but mm. we've got a very good relationship and he just turned around and went tell me the fucking truth Mm. And I just said, yeah, yeah, this is... What, and yeah, we had yeah, that yeah. chat, and then he was like, yeah, it's fine. Guess what? I, blah, 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 and he told me all of his truths. Yeah. And it was like, shit, I'm not alone. No, 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 And then it's gone all the way down to, as I said earlier, even in our networking group that we know each other from, Yeah, I've had people come up to me and be like, yeah, mate, I'm with you there. Yeah. That's happened to me this 100%. year, this seven. And then you realise, hold on, this is normal and this is fine. 100%. Yeah. And it, you're, you're not alienated. You're actually in good company. Yeah. And we just all need to just shake it off and get over it and talk to each other. Not get over it in the sense of the problem, but yeah. get over this barrier of I can't say nothing. There's a lot there. There's a lot you've said there which I can resonate with and relate to. So the first one was that I believe that as human beings, we'll get pushed. The pain will push us so far that we have to, in the end, we just have to do something. So when I went to rehab, I felt like I was in a corner and I had no moves left and the pain was getting so much and there's some consequences coming down the pipeline about whether I'd be, whether I'd be able to see my children and that sort of stuff. And we get pushed, pushed to a point of pain where we have to drop the pride, drop the ego, drop all that stuff and actually put our hands up and ask for help. Now, that takes a ton of bravery because what you're saying is, not that you're broken or anything like that, but especially as men, we are providers. We are, we are supposed to be, um, you know, resilient. And this is, 
This is social conditioning down a number of generations, right? We are supposed to be resilient. We are supposed to be strong. We are supposed to be a, a resilient and strong role model. There's, there's things about being a provider, right? So the thought of putting your hand up and asking for help is in many respects perceived as a sign of weakness. Yep. I think exactly the opposite. I think it's an absolute sign of bravery and courage. And what it is saying, what what I now know to be true was that I was putting my hand up and saying I needed help. But once I got some traction in recovery, what I was actually saying was I want to be a better person. Yeah. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good son. I want to be a good friend. And so, you know, I can resonate with a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. And I'm seven and a half years clean and sober. Well done. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks, Andy. And people say, is it a battle every day? And I said, I'll fucking tell you a battle. (laughs) I'll tell you a battle. You're doing 80 grand a year on coke and you're doing, on a bad day, six grams a day, right? And you are absolutely under the grip of this substance, mate. That is a battle. Yeah. My battles these days are life battles. Yeah. You know, like when I say battles, not life, life is life. Mate, there's going to be issues around romance. There's going to be issues around finance. As we get older, we lose loved ones. How are we going to handle grief? How are we going to handle a bit of anxiety, a bit of worry, a bit of concern? Children's health, let's pray that that remains good. You know, um, There'll be challenges within the household. You'll have business challenges going forward. But that is, that's what life does. What I've learnt is I'm not, I'm not uh, grateful that I became a cocaine addict, right? But I'm 100% grateful for what I've learnt yeah. in the last seven the and a half years. So going back to a question you asked me, what am I doing today? So I got clean and sober and in my first, in 2016, I was, I went into rehab. I relapsed after coming out and then I got recovery. Um, and then I got asked, I got, I was clean and sober. My mother died three months when I was clean and sober, you know. I then ended a 10-year relationship. So it was a tough year, right? Yeah. I got clean and sober. Two companies approached me to go back to the city. And at that point... It was basically a choice of go back to the city and earn more money and get back into the prestige status, me, 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 more, 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 money, 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 materialism comparing world. Yeah. Or to be fundamentally to be a present and available father. Because when I got clean and sober, my children were um, six and four, six and three. And I thought... Great ages. Yeah, and I thought to myself... You know, I could have died. The fact is, for those that don't know anything about cocaine, it puts an enormous amount of stress on your heart. The fact I didn't have a heart attack is quite, um, I wouldn't say a miracle, but I'm very, very lucky not to have had a heart attack. So I thought, I can go back to the city, I'll earn good money and whatever, or I've now got an opportunity in my early 50s to be present and available for my children, not to helicopter parent them, not to put them in cotton wool, but to be the best version of me as a dad. Yeah. I'm not brilliant. I'm not amazing. I'm not fantastic. I'm not special and different, right? But on a daily basis, my intention is to be the best version of myself I can be. Whatever that is. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, you're a father, I'm a father. We, 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 We play the role to the best of our ability. And without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, the greatest, um, the greatest um, gift of my recovery is um, how I am with my children. Mate, I'm patient, I'm tolerant, I listen, I understand. Do they drive me crazy at times? 100%. <laughs> Do I drive them crazy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. But what I'm saying is there's this, there's this honesty, truth and being genuine and authentic. Finish off, I raced off, I've got this purpose and said, right, I've got to help people. So being the, being the focused, determined person I am... Like whether I'm focused at sport, focused at education, focused at up in the city or focused on cocaine, I get focused. Yeah. So I got focused on recovery. I went and studied. Brilliant. I did two and a half year diploma. I'm now a therapeutic counsellor 
And uh, just to, I sort of said it before, I work, I've got, I'm employed at a rugby club as a mentor, uh, mindset coach. I work with guys in their 50s who are struggling with their direction post their careers or divorce, whatever. I, funnily enough, it's, it's interesting what you put out into the world and what comes back. So I put out in the world that I am a counsellor and um, some guys in their 30s contacted me, had a chat to me, and made I'm now mentoring young men in their 30s. So, and mate, I love it. I absolutely love what I do today. But, well, first of all, thank you for being honest and open because I think, like I say, it's interesting, but it's... It's also, I'm aware that someone's had to, for it to be interesting, someone's had to walk through yeah, yeah. dark times. Yeah. So thank you for being so open and honest on, yeah. on the past. I, just in the short time that I've known you, and mm. just even just chatting this morning or this afternoon, I can understand why men in their 30s would approach you mm. and be like, like, like mentoring. Mm. Because it's also, you touched something on about children. Mm. And you said you're the you you're not doing anything fantastic, but what you are you what you realise is the most precious thing I think any dad can do is be present. Hundred percent. And not just because of what we've spoken about, but generally, I think you've got that that feel. Like I feel like I don't know you very well, mm. but I'm all, I'm warm to you, mm. and I feel like I Thank can you. tell you anything. Yeah. So as a mentor, sometimes that can just even be that figure of that person that 100%. you can turn to. Whatever. And I'm saying that as somebody that like, so I don't have a relationship with my dad. Mm. Um, I had a, a very small time where I did. Mm. Um, there's there's politics, but there's no real reason as such why he, he couldn't be present. It's his choices that he mm. doesn't want to be. As, a, as an adult, generally, I'm fine with that. Mm. But what he's taught me and the, the thing I'll always be grateful for is how to be a dad. Yes. Because I now know how not to do it. Yes. Because it's weird. As a child, I used to call him the sweetie man and he had to get my mum to get me to stop calling him that because I was two. Mm. Um, and he used to turn up... Every time he turned up, he turned up with a Tesco's carrier bag... Full of sweets. Gotcha. My sister gotcha. would get one, I'd get one. Right. I had no idea. Right. I had no memory of living with him. Yeah. I have no memory of, oh of those God. amazing times. Yeah, I remember yeah. the caravan and holidays and things like that. And don't get me wrong, like I'm not going to sit here and bad, like, be awful because they were great memories that I still enjoy and yeah. I will cherish. Yeah. But there was no presence when I needed it. There is, well, well, you need it from, from, from a young age. There's, there's no denying that because I'm seeing the benefits of the efforts that I put in with my son. As much yes. as, like you say, he could drive me mad. He's very highly strung, yeah. opinionated. He's, my wife says he's me. <laughs> there you go. But we've gone from sort of always wanting mummy to now always wanting daddy. Yeah. Be, but that's only because I've made that time yeah, well, for that, that bond great and that, stuff, that, that great we do stuff. things together. Like, Generally now, I openly will love to meet my mates for a drink, for a, go to the pub, watch the football, or, or, or go on to the stadiums to yeah, play, yeah, watch yeah. the games. It feels weird now not having him with me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. something. Do you know what I mean? And I just think that that's so important. Has he passed, or is he just figure. not in your life? No, he's he's around, yeah. but he's just essentially a long, a very long story short. Um, he has a new wife. Gotcha. who is unfortunately not, I don't believe very well. Mm. Um, I would say she's probably bipolar mm. because one minute she could be mm. the nicest person and the next mm. minute she could be the most evil mm. person that you'd mm. ever meet in your life. Mm. Um, a little bit went on with uh, family and my, my son was brought into an argument mm. um, and I think he was probably three or three months mm. and it was just unacceptable that I said, look, you, I'm never going to forgive that, mm. even though I know it might be a sickness or whatever. But mm. we, and, and we've just gone off... He sent a, a Christmas card, was the last contact we had, and it was a £100 cheque and a mm. Christmas card to my son. Mm. I kept the Christmas card because that's the right thing to do so he can look back on it in years mm. to say and know that he got a, a card from his grandfather yeah. and I just returned the cheque mm. just said, look, no yeah. thanks. Yeah. And, and, and it's, there's never been a, an argument as such mm. between me and him, mm. um, but he was never there. He, as as a, a growing up, he was never really there. Mm. So... My point being why I started with that, and I just wanted to give it some context that what I mean mm. is sometimes men, we need that father figure. For sure. Um, my brother took 
the fun side of that, mm. but generally the adult side. So let's get out of the teenage years and now you're becoming a man and you've got mm. responsibilities. Mm. The first person I had was when I got married and I had my father-in-law where I could potentially yeah. go to someone and say, yeah. I've got this problem yeah. and yeah. you'll get a bit yeah. of help. Yeah, yeah. Um, very important. But so that if someone hasn't got that available to them, Correct. then I can understand the importance yeah. of having that mentor. I know I've got a yeah. long way around to get into that point, yeah, yeah. but I just feel it's important to yeah. know that. Yeah. I feel if you can find someone that you trust, yeah. that you look up to yeah. and can respect. And I think by your honesty of telling mm. your, your, your truth, mm. it makes you more appealing to be like, Do you know what, yeah. I can resonate with that because I'm yeah. not being funny we many in their 30s know that I think if you put us all on a lie detector test there'll be very many people that if they sat there looked you in the eye and said no I've never touched cocaine it's they're true. liars yeah. it's it's a generation that we've lived in it's around if you go into any pub as I said even the weddings as I said mm. if you go anywhere now, it's, it's, it's rife yeah, absolutely um, and it's so blatant yeah um, thankfully for me I'm too tight and I didn't <laughs> yeah, that's right that's <laughs> right. right I didn't have 80 grand yeah, this yeah, yeah well <laughs> There's a couple of things I'd like to pick up on in, in what you said there is, um, so absolutely, you know, with the male authoritative figure, it's, it's, it's a miss, you know, it's, it's, it's missing. And so, um, you know, interestingly enough, the guys that I'm working with, a couple of guys I'm working with, I've asked the question, you know, why would you want me to mentor you? You seem like you've got a good relationship with your father. Why aren't you speaking to your father? Now, one thing is because there's that relationship... It, the two parties are invested in each other. So, he, this, so one of my clients doesn't want to disappoint his father by saying, look, I've For done sure. cocaine, I've done this, that and the other. And that's the great thing about mentoring is that, man, I'm an independent third party. I'm not there to judge anyone. They can come in and they can tell... Look, I won't go into it. But some yeah. of the stories I, I've heard, some of them are pretty, um, uh, you know, uh, eyebrow-raising about what they're up to. But... And, and that's why they can't go to their father. So that's where mentoring fits nicely. The other thing where mentoring fits nicely, which you've alluded to, if someone – look, if you're in your 30s and you're married and you've got a business and you've got a kid and you want some questions, like the obvious person to go to would be a father who's gone through all of that. Yeah. So if that father's missing, who can you talk to? And so to find a mentor like, like – you know, mate, I lost a brother when I was 16 – I lost a really good mate when I was 30. I lost my mother when, you know, seven and a half years ago. I've played for my own, my country under 21. I've played for Oxford University, up in the city. I've made a lot of money. I've lost money. I've had a divorce. I've had addiction. I've had recovery. Like, mate, there's not really much. I've had, that, I've had you know, numerous relationships with girlfriends down the years that have failed and da-da-da, and I've processed all of that. So to have a mentor, you can see how it could be very productive, right? Um... One thing, the other thing is that you you touched on, which I think is really, really important, we're not here to blame parents. No. That's pointless because the chances are, you know, your father went through something which made him the way that he was, et cetera, et cetera. And then if, he, and then if there's a, a divorce or a separation, early doors, he's got another family, whatever, things happen, you know, and there's some abandonment in there, there might be some rejection, whatever. But my point's this, and I think this is really, 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 really important point. You, you know, very often, you know, I, I, I made the choice to take cocaine. It was self-inflicted, right? But very, very often people end up in a space that they weren't responsible for what happened. You're not responsible for what happened when you were a child. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right? But this is my point. We are responsible for our own recovery. Absolutely. Right? And that is the part that the message is, that's, that I want to put out there is that we can blame and we can, we can point the finger and I'm, I'm, because, I'm this way because of them, I'm this way because of that, I'm this, blah, 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 blah. My point is take responsibility, be brave, be courageous, stand up. You know, take responsibility for your own healing and your own recovery. Seek a solution. Go into action, right? And the reason that I get quite demonstrative about that and passionate about it, I did it and I'm seeing amazing results about me as a person, physically healthy. You know, I've got a couple of little minor health issues going on, but it goes hand in hand with getting older, <laughs> right? Um, mentally, I'm the strongest I've ever been in my life. 
strongest yeah. I've ever been mentally because of what I've learned through recovery, doing a 12-step program, doing a two-and-a-half-year diploma, working with people. The thing with working with people, it's a two-way street. I learn as much – like I've learned a couple of things from you today, picked up a couple of things, and you're reinforcing when you're saying, I had to put my hand up and ask for help. I had to put my hand up and talk. I go, mate, I know. Yeah. I know. And we are sending message to men to say, it's okay. You know, it doesn't make you weak. In fact, this will make you, you a better version. Yeah, it makes you – 100% makes you – and it makes – I smiled there when you said something. Uh, I don't know if you see it, but like you said, things happen as a child. Yeah. Not your control. Correct. You can't do nothing about it. Yep. I blamed family members for so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a little bit of advice off a guy who said, what you got to do, put it all in a box – and take one item that's upsetting you out of them and deal with one at a time. Stop yeah, trying to deal with your advice. life. Very just good advice. Boss. Yes. So, so if I do, I'll, I'll be open because I've spoken to her and I don't mind she listens to this. So with my mum, yeah. I felt like there was an element of selfishness from her perspective and it was all about how I felt and she doesn't do this with me or my son. And, her, and I just picked up all the negatives, all, all, all. And then I sat there and I thought, right now I've took this out of the box. This is the subject I'm dealing with. At this time, I was like, right, let me have a look. How many times have I been... How many I love times, this, by the way. I love this. <laughs> how many times have I been around to see my mum for dinner this year? Here we go. Good stuff. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really been around. How many times have I picked <laughs> up the phone and rung my mum to say, mum, you okay? Do you need it? But bear in mind, my mum... She was 30 when she had me, so it's really easy maths for me to remember. She's 70 now. Yeah. How many times have I rung her to see if she needed help with her shopping up the high street? How many times have I done this? How many times have I done that? And then you realise, hold on. Like, That's great. I love Two that. wrongs don't make a right. I love it. I love you it. You know, like, yeah, yeah okay. And and to be fair, I phoned my mum up. We had the most open and honest conversation, probably the best way to, where before it would just be me having a little moan or a shout even, yeah. and, and she'd get upset and I'd be like, oh, you're selfish, you don't understand. We actually spoke. We listened to each wow. other. Wow. And do you know what? How good is that? Yeah. Like I said, it's one of those things that you, you wipe it clean and you go, look, Let's just get on with life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got to say, since that moment, my relationship and the way I feel, I don't feel anger. I don't feel resentment. Lovely. Um, like I said, I don't really want to go into her personal scenarios or why I felt those bits yeah, no, like no, of no, no, no. she'd made the wrong decisions or whatever. Yeah. But that I also now stand here as an adult and go, well, I'm sure she sits there feeling the same way we do. I yeah. wish I could have done this. I wish yeah. I could have done that. And I'm thinking, well, we're, what are we going to do? Punish to the end? Yeah. Or yeah, we're just going to enjoy yeah, I love that story. what we've sort of got. Yeah. And that's literally all comes from just stopping, speaking, yeah. and just literally pausing life and going, let me just deal with stuff yeah, yeah. one by one. Yeah. Um, and even when it, it mine transpired into to business, finances, yeah. we'll just stop. Stop living day to day. Actually have a plan. Yeah. Um, and I've got to be honest, uh, Natalie Jackson um, kindly invited me and I sat with her and Dave Cribbs yeah. um, from like I say A to Z yeah, and, yeah. and they sat with me and just said look just know where you're going have a plan yeah, fantastic. and we literally just spent half an hour just all yeah. being honest and chatting yeah. they gave me some tips and some advice and yeah. by that point the, the, the stress that was taken away yeah. by just yeah. dealing with snows and it's even though they're different they're the same because yeah. you're just dealing with that problem yeah and come into a solution. Yeah. Now, it might not always be the solution that you yeah. want, yeah. really the perfect answer. It, yeah. it doesn't exist. Yeah. But if you can just sort of draw a line yeah. or get the answer, like, like exempt in the business here, yeah. we've had sections that we've tried to start to try and make money, mm. but it don't work. Mm. So we'll, we'll just cut it off. Sure. Yeah. So you, <laughs> you said, so I, I, I try to, uh, when I'm working, like I still sponsor people, mentor yep. people within Narcotics Anonymous, right? Yep. So I take them through a 12-step program. There's a couple of things there that really resonate. So one is, one of the big, one of the big, there's a load of mantras in recovery, but one is keep your side of the street clean, Yeah. right? So when you were, you were like pointing out at your mum, pointing out at your mum, but you came to realisation and said, hold on, how's my side of the street? How am I, you know? And so what we do now is is look at my part to play in these things. So I may be quick to, you know, point some sort of anger or resentment to my ex-girlfriend or something like that, but I go, hold on, you know, I was a drug addict. Mm. I was a cocaine addict. What was I bringing to the house? And so there's a real self-processing, self-reflection. When you have a look, 
There's some real revelations about ourselves, right? I love the story about Natalie and Dave in the sense of these were your words. Um, honest, got honest, I sought a solution, right? And these, these concepts about putting your hand up, seek a solution, go into action. Who can I speak to, right? And then when you go to someone and you get honest and you get open, transparent, um, genuine, authentic, no mask wearing, yep. no role playing, no acting. I need some help here. Can you help me? Yep. And at that point, once you embrace you know, honesty and seek a solution, bravery into action and then speak to people, I haven't, you know, your story is one that I've heard so often now is that, oh, couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Like I felt so much better. These people helped me get a plan. But if you replayed it and went back to it, went back to you picking up the phone, yep, and 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 contacting someone. It comes back to ourselves. Take responsibility. Exactly. Take ownership of the problem. Seek a solution. Go into action. I can relate to that story. Yes, great. Yeah, no, like you say, it is definitely on on you as a person. Um, and like you say, I think like our message is big, clear. Is if if is anyone listening. Is in that can relate to anything. Yeah, just speak. Find that someone that you yeah. can speak to, or like yeah. you say, yeah. you got people like yourself. Yeah, um, and lots of charities out there. Just, just because yeah. it's 100%. it's the first, it's the hard, it's the hardest phone call, but it then it's the peak. I yeah. think that's yeah. the peak of the mountain, and then it's just you know what. Yeah. And anybody that knows that's tried to get up to mountain is always yeah. fun coming down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, just, just, just to. Um, Something I'd like to get in there before we before we finish. So, I am a bit of a I wouldn't say perfectionist, but a, a sort of relentless standards. That's one of my scripts. That I, I work with a therapist for about eighteen months and some stuff. So, so I really want. I, I get so passionate about. I want. I want my clients to um, have a good experience, a positive experience, right? And what I've realised is quite funnily is that I'll have people, especially people who come into mind, they're. You know, it's, it costs them five quid or something like that. But they are—they've got some real life issues. You know, I've dealt with, um, oh, you know, um, you know, bullying, um, grief, uh, child abuse, uh, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, psychological abuse, reje- rejection, abandonment. I had this young kid who's um, his boyfriend. He's he's seventeen, and when he was fifteen, his boyfriend got a knife and cut himself from wrist to elbow on both arms and uh, and his groin and his knee and bled out in my client's arms. This kid, he was 15 at the time, can you imagine the impact it had on him? Yeah. So he came in at 17 and um, he's he's absolutely going gangbusters. And, 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 like, I've had sessions where I've had with him and I've come out so uplifted because he's improving. So he was having terror nightmares uh, yeah. every night for two years. So he now does not have nightmares. He's not angry. He's not punching walls. He's not throwing a controller of his Xbox out the window. He's not, you know, he's getting outside in nature and whatever. And Andy, I do that voluntary. Can you imagine how that makes me feel when I think I've assisted, because it's not me, I've assisted a young person, a 17-year-old, mate, stop nightmares. He's re-engaging in life. He's connecting with with his loved ones. Um, And he... You know, if he hadn't have sought help, he would have been well, still probably having nightmares today and being disarmed and debilitated, you know. So when I get clients who come in, right, I've had clients who've come in in the first session, they've sat down and, mate, it is like, right? <laughs> and I sit there and I've got this theory. My theory is let them talk because they've got to come up for air at some stage, <laughs> right? And then they'll have the first session and seriously, mate, I've had sessions where I've hardly said a word for an hour, right, because you've got to let them. Just yeah. let them unload. Just let them talk. And I sit there and I listen. I don't interrupt them. I just go, yep, nod, yes, right, the appropriate times, whatever. Stay engaged, you know, unconditional positive regard for this person. Listen to them, be congruent, be in the moment, but it's their space, right? At the end of the hour I go, look, how was that? And they go, oh, mate, that was, that was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. <laughs> mate, I've done nothing but listen, yeah. and that's my point. Allow the person to talk, 
and, and, and forget about counselling, forget about therapy, forget about cognitive behavioural therapy, transaction, transactional analysis, you know, da-da-da-da-da, talking. Yep. And, it, and listening. It's time. That is the biggest thing you can give anyone is time. 100%. Um, and, and then I think that's the same as, like you say, the listening yeah. and stuff like that. But So what is the goal for you? Where, where, how do you, have you got a plan for the business? Like, yeah. for, do you do you want to be big? Do you want do you what, what's okay? Tell me so what the goal I'm is. in a very fortunate situation where um, I do want to make money, but it's not a massive priority. Yeah. I um, I definitely had a massive financial reset, and I've still got kids at private school and whatever. So it, it's, it's 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 I have to manage my situation, but it's not like I need this money or else I've got to go and get another job. This is my vocation. This is it for me. This is the last vocation I'll ever have. I love it. Yeah. Right? Um, there's a thing called Ikigai. I-K-I-G-A-I. It's a Japanese term. Basically means purpose. So if you're good at something, you love it, the world needs it, and you get paid for it, that's your Ikigai. So I'd yeah. say photography is your Ikigai, yeah. right? So this is my Ikigai. So what, what do I want to do? I just want more clients. I want to help people. The business is fluid and flexible in the sense of I started out as an addiction counsellor because that's what I knew. Now I'm a counsellor across a load of presenting issues. And when I say counsellor, mate, I listen to people. Yeah. I just offer a space. I offer a space to anyone that goes, listen, if you want to talk, I will give you a safe space, um, non-judgmental and confidential. So in the chaotic, chaotic world we live in, I offer one hour a week to a person just to come in and go, oh, yeah, you know. Get it all da, off da, their da, chest. And then get everything off their chest. And if there's stuff that needs to be processed and delved into, great. If they just need to um, unload, right, if they just need a little bit of support, a little bit of motivation, that's me. So I'm. I've, it, it's interesting. So I'm putting this energy out into the world. I do believe that there's no coincidences. I do believe I'm going to land where I'm supposed to land. Quite surprisingly, I did not know this was coming. A, a rugby club picked me up. I went and did a speech and said, look, you know, to a group of uh, semi-professional rugby players, Barry St Edmonds, I said, um, and Jacob Ford, the head coach there, I know him. And then I gave this 20-minute speech and they said, he called me up a couple of days and they said, mate, we want you on board. You know, like I did yeah. a talk like you and I are doing sort of thing. And I do mindset coaching there. I do private clients. I've got to do the pitch. So Kent, yeah, no. Bray, Kent Bray Counselling, there's a website and you can um, have a look at the website, read about me and there's phone numbers and emails, whatever, and contact me. I'll help anybody. Yeah, we'll, we'll put anybody. The, in the description. I'll make sure yeah. all the links are there to everything yeah. as well. So as far as business model goes, mate, there's no – some people said to me, you, I should run a podcast. I don't really have any – I want to do podcasts because I can get a message out to a wider group of people. Yeah. And the message is that healing and recovery is definitely possible. That's the message. Put your hand up, be brave. That's my message to people. Um, And and basically I'm looking for um, private clients. I'll stay with mine. I I like volunteering there, volunteering at supported housing. Um, If I could mentor some guys in their 20s, 30s, 40s, help some guys in their 50s with transitioning post-career, et cetera, et cetera. and basically, the business, you're looking at the business. Yeah. I'm it. You know what I mean? There's no like, I don't have a product. Yeah. There's no product. It is basically um, my experiences in life. Um, I'm the sum of all my experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm just putting myself into that space to help anybody. Perfect. Yeah. So like any sort of semi-professional Sports, it's not yep. sort of ring fence to rugby. You're no. open to football clubs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody that, yeah. so I'm going to say, um, everyone needs this, yeah. don't they? So. Yeah. It's, 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 I found the rugby one very interesting because I actually said to Jacob Ford, 40, I said, mate, these guys don't need counselling. Exactly what you want me here for. He said, just a place that they can talk to. So I've spoken to these guys in their 20s and there's about, you know, I think I've spoken to about 12 of them. And most of them, it's just one session, you know, is everything all right? Chat, 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 where do you see rugby or whatever? Two of the guys, we're doing continual sessions because they've got some stuff to unpack. Mm. So, but any sports, so any sports person, ideally my profile is anyone that's, that's a professional person or a sports person or someone who's lost their way in life, 
yes, certainly if they're, if they're leaning on drugs or alcoholism, I can specifically relate to that. But people who, you know, people who don't have an authoritative male figure in their life, they, I can, I seem to be getting traction with them. But basically, Andy, I'll help anybody. I'll help anybody. Um, man, I'm 60 next year. In the last 25% of my life, if, if you know, white male in the Western world lives to about 80, and I'm thinking I want to be productive. And so I've gone from the me, 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 I'm, I've gone from the taking world yep. to the giving world. And I've got to say, the giving world, a um, lot less money, but I'll tell you what, unbelievably fulfilling. Yeah, I'm going to say the, the rewards must be massive. And I made, I can't tell you how grateful I am. I'm just so full of gratitude that I didn't die. Um, I'm living and I'm, sending, I'm spending my life in a worthy cause. Mate, it is very, very uh, spiritually nourishing. No, brilliant. Yeah. Hey, so honestly, mate, I couldn't think of a better first person to have on it. I really couldn't <laughs> because obviously um, people will know this if they've li- listened to the intro side of mm. things. I've started this to help me, not mm. for anybody else. If if people listen to it, it's a bonus because yeah, for sure. it's Love literally it. for me and it's a hobby. It's something I've always I've always been shit scared of doing. Yeah. Um, I hate my voice on camera, so I probably hate it on, on this as well and just feel, oh my God, do I sound yeah, like that really? Yeah, yeah. But generally... It's been great because it, it gives people an idea of why I'm doing it. Yeah, good um, And well I think done. I think the you. subject of your story, I think, has gone hand in hand quite nicely yeah. to that to some degree. And like I say, I couldn't think of a better person to have on. And we'd love to get you on just to go through the rugby stuff because there's going to be a lot of people going, oh, I want to know more about this rugby career. Oh, no, this is story. So, so, <laughs> so that's going... I've got a lot of good friends... Um, that are rugby. Yeah. Um, they always say, "Do you want to come to the football?" They go, "It's the wrong shaped ball, mate." Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And like I say, yeah, they they, do a, they used to do a lot with uh, Furrock Rugby Club. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're they're mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can only imagine the stories if it's anything like on their level. Yeah, <laughs> what, yeah, yeah. What the stories have got? Mate. But you was you was out of the World Cup, right? You oh, there's been I, don't know, I think there's been um, four, eight, ten. I think there's been eleven World Cups. I've been to ten of them, and I've been in the stadium for nine finals. So I, it, it, it's, it's something that my mates and look, we'd probably run out of time. But this, you know, just very quickly, two thousand fifteen Rugby World Cup, the guys came over and they saw me. They were extremely worried. And they said they want to have an intervention, and I went, "What for?" And they were like, "Hey, <laughs> like you look terrible." And this very, very good friend of mine, Troy Coker, put his arm around me. He's won a World Cup with Australia in nineteen ninety one. He put his arm around me and he said, mate, you need help. You need professional help. And that was the seed. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe. Because Troy had known Troy since I was 19, so I've known him 40 years. And when he put his arm around me, it it, it was, I don't think it's any coincidence that a guy that I'd played rugby with all around the world won tournaments, this, that and the other, and he's big dude, he's 6'6", and 18, 19 stone, he's... Aggressive. It's not his nature to be compassionate. Yeah. Well, I now know it that he is, but he is that rugby profile. He put his arm around. We were in South Kensington, and I was absolutely off my head, off my head with cocaine and drinking. And the world, we were going to the World Cup final two days later at Twickenham, and he said, um, "Mate, we're leaving on Sunday. You, you, you know, you're gone. You're going to die if you don't get help." And it was just that my recovery actually started then, albeit I didn't get to didn't get to um, rehab for about five months later. But um, yeah, mate, the rugby. There's plenty of stories in the rugby. But can I just say something just quickly? Yeah, of course you can. <clears throat> mate, I felt very comfortable. Thank you. I felt very comfortable. This felt very natural, very organic. I didn't have any, and that's what I'm saying to you. Is you've got a vibe that. Um, I think, mate, I think you're going to do well at this. I do. No, Bruce. Yeah. Like, mate, if I keep having good conversations like this, then it's worth <laughs> doing, honestly. Like yeah. I say, uh, we, we come from that, like I say, that networking group, yeah. but hopefully yeah. um, we can sort of build a friendship away from that as well as absolutely, uh, on mate. top. And absolutely. absolutely mean it. Love, would love to hear that I'm a sports nut. Although rugby, I, I knew Harlequin, so that's a, that's a positive. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I knew the British Lions, so I'm off to a good start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, any time, any time, mate, you, you obviously got a number of other people, but any time you, you want, mate, I'd, you know, 
freely available to come down. Yeah, no, we'd love to. Um, I have sworn that I'll end this part every podcast the same way. Yeah. Now you've been in England for many years now, so mm. you'll know exactly what I'm going on about. Mm. You can only you got to go to Greg's, and yeah. you can only buy three things. Yeah. What you're buying? Uh, well, definitely a sausage roll. Uh, so sausage roll, um, jam, jam, uh, jam donut. Right. So you've got to buy three things? Yep, three yeah, things. Yeah, right. One sausage roll and two jam donuts. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right it. answer. But, but no, generally, Ken, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. And uh, yeah. Top man, thank you very much for inviting me, Andy, mate. I, I really, really enjoyed that. And listen, all the very best for this venture. Thank you very all much. All the very, very best. Hope it goes well. I think, you're gonna, I think you'll be a natural. Cheers. Thank Top you very man. much. Good man. Cheers.